I didn't say I wanted to preach on that subject while the congregation was asleep. I'll preach as a dying man to dying men. We are getting our ideas from the Bible. We are taking the listeners for a swim in the text. We believe that only God makes a preacher, but we want to help him be more faithful. This is the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast with host, Pastor Rob Ginter. As you stare down a year of preaching, maybe you're the only pastor or preacher at the church. Well, our subject is important for you, no matter who you are, because how can you carry out your God-given task of preaching if you give up? Let today be a shot in the arm for you today as I talk to Dr. John Benton about pastoral burnout. Dr. Benton is Director of Pastoral Support for the Pastors Academy at London Seminary in England. You might remember Dr. Benton from episode 16 entitled Pastoral Counseling and Sermonic Shepherding. You can find that on our website at goverseviverse.com slash podcasts. Happy New Year from the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. I hope it's a good one for you. Let's go together. Dr. John Benton, welcome to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. Good to be here again. As you know, this is a preaching podcast, and we stay in our lane of preaching, but one of the things that affects us as preachers so deeply is that of burnout in ministry. It really has a strain not just on our life and on our souls, but on our preaching. And as a pastor who who pastored the same church for 36 years, how do we avoid burnout in ministry? It's a good question. And um, I think I, I'm just sitting here thinking, how have I avoided it somewhat by the grace of God? <laughs> I have to say that first of all. Um, there are a number of things to say here. First of all, of course, you do need to know yourself, know your own limitations, and therefore... Um, balance your schedule. Go for a balanced schedule. And um, I have, again, something fairly provocative to say about this, especially for young men in ministry in smaller churches. When I came into the ministry, I was expected to speak at least three times a week. And so the way I went about this was to prepare one sermon from absolute ground level you know f- right from the from, from the bottom up it's all mine okay but in other times um knowing the pressures of ministry uh, i felt it was right uh, to not i don't mean to um copy other people's sermons i don't mean that but i mean to learn from other people's sermons to in other words to bring to the congregations things that you've read that have been good for you preaching has to come from the heart so it's no good just ripping a sermon off the internet and pre- you know regurgitating and that's not going to do any good but it is good to read other people's material especially ch spurgeon <laughs> and let the things that touch your heart can touch other people's hearts so so i would do one sermon from you know which was totally my own and other sermons in the week which i i'd lent heavenly heavily on other other people and that helped me to to, to get through and of course actually it also helps you develop in your ability to preach i put it like this sometimes we think of the um the great master painters uh artists of of history and they would have students. And sometimes the way those students learned would be to 
to to paint a copy of the master's portrait of, of the master's painting and as they copied they learned themselves how to do it so at the beginning i was i was preaching one of my own completely my own secondly i was leaning heavily on others but as i leant heavily on spurgeon and matthew henry that helped me to develop my own uh, abilities and it kind of cut down uh, the amount of time now you might be a little bit worried about this but actually i think i've got scriptural um backing for what i what i'm what i'm recommending here so for example if you look at the um uh, if you look at two peter and jude <laughs> those two letters in the new testament they're pretty similar somebody lent on somebody to use the, the, those let or if if you've been to to seminary you'll have come across the synoptic problem <laughs> Luke and Matthew and Mark, well, somebody use somebody and somebody use somebody else. And, and, and there's, so, so the Bible isn't so precious about as always being original. That's what I was told when I first came into the ministry. Your job is not, first of all, to be original, but to be helpful, to actually feed that flock. So that's, that's the beginning of avoiding burnout, okay? Know yourself, know what you can do, a schedule, and don't be too proud to lean on other people. And the last thing I want to say on this is don't be a perfectionist. Perfectionism, you, know, you must keep doing it until you feel you've got it absolutely right. That keeps men in the study far too long, and perfectionism is a heresy. We live in a fallen world. We do our best and we commit the rest. Uh, but sometimes, you know, men just keep pressing themselves to make the absolute perfect sermon every week, and they're running themselves into the ground. In fact, I've seen some men perfectionists bring themselves into clinical depression uh, because of, of, of that kind of obsession. So we have to swallow our pride and say, I'm not here to be original. First of all, I'm here to be helpful uh, to other people. So there you are. That might be a little bit of a handle on, on avoiding burnout. Wow, that's, uh, that's helpful in itself, Dr. Benton. So you mentioned leaning on others. A uh, follow-up question for us on that. How, what role does the congregation reading through books together, through the same book that is not a, Bible, a biblical book, but let's say you're reading through The Pilgrim's Progress or some type of other extra biblical book, what role does that have in alleviating burnout in the pastor? I'm not quite sure I ever... I mean, we, we've done that from time to time um, in, in the congregation, but I'm not sure that's ever affected my ministry. Um, it may be that we've used reading through a book, um, midweek meetings or something like that. But I, 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 I know those reading through books together is great. It, you know, it has a, it has a good, a, a good effect. In fact, the church, you know, we're part, still part of the church. Um, you know, the, for example, I think it was just just yesterday, the women uh, were, were together on Zoom, uh, you know, talking through a book that they're all reading um, together. So that has a place. I'm not sure that I, I would say it really does too much by way of alleviating burnout. I'm, I'm, I want you to do your job. I don't want you to just say, go away and read a book, you know. Right, absolutely. Uh, so as we think through uh, longevity in ministry, you've lasted in, you lasted in the same pulpit for 36 years. How does someone last in the same pastorate for that long? Well, because we're called, aren't we, to um, teach the whole counsel of God. And um, therefore, a pastor should have in mind to try to cover all of Scripture. Now, I'm not sure I, I did it completely. Uh, but again, I was sent into the ministry with those words of the Lord Jesus 
uh, ringing in my ears, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he's given us the whole Bible, and people need the whole Bible, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So first of all, you've got a very large curriculum. You might want to revisit some of the things, obviously, as, as different matters arise in the church, but you've got a very large curriculum. And then the second thing I want to say, I, I think, um, is, is that you last in the ministry as you understand something of the enormous privilege of your role. And obviously, you mustn't think of what the world thinks of you, or even sometimes what the church thinks of you. But you must think of what God has entrusted you with and what God thinks of you. And one of the most um, challenging but also thrilling sides of what it is to be a pastor comes like this to me. Um, you remember that Paul, when he writes to, to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, he, he names Timothy, a New Testament pastor, as a man of God. And of course, man of God is the kind of phrase that is used of the Old Testament prophets and especially of Moses. And if you read through the Old Testament, something, you find something really quite interesting. Um, you find that on a number of occasions, there's a kind of a, um, a mix-up between angels and men of God. So, for example, when, um, when the angel comes to announce the birth of Samson, I think you'll find that the wife says, a man of God came to me. And this happens on a number of occasions, this mix-up. And what is going on there? Well, angels are God's messengers who reside, who are there in his council chamber and go forth to do his bidding. And the Old Testament prophets were the same. They had been in the council of the Lord and come forth to proclaim God's word. Well, Paul applying <coughs> that... Um, man of God, subriquet to New Testament pastors. That, that's the kind, you know, do you understand your privilege? You're, you're not an angel. I know that you're not an angel, but you have the privilege every day of prayerfully going into the council room of God. And when we wait upon the Lord, our strength is renewed. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40. That's the real, um, where the energy really comes from to, to um, keep ministering for the Lord. Um, so I, 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 think, I, th I think there is, a, there is a kind of a spiritual side to this, you know, that you have to be someone who, who does seek God um, personally, um, day by day, and, and, and take that seriously and understand just what you're involved in, the enormous privilege of what you're involved in as being a pastor. And that, that's, that's the kind of thing that has really helped me over, over the years in, in keeping going, along with taking holidays and taking a day off each week. I mean, obviously, the, those, the, those necessities, don't let me denigrate those. Of course, we need holidays and days off each week as well. But th those are the things that actually energize the heart, as it were. So as you've been in ministry for an extended period of time, what is it that you wish you knew earlier in ministry that you figured out much later? Um, I think I'm, I'm not sure about this. I, I, I've thought about this question. And I'm, I'm not I'm sure there are things that I wished that I'd, I'd known. I mean, obviously, sometimes ministry has been very hard. Um, I've had some very 
difficult things happen, really hurtful things happen. And I suppose I wasn't prepared for some of them. I didn't realize sometimes you would be hurt as much as that, <laughs> as it were. Um, but I'm not sure that would have helped me. Um, I think what might have helped me would perhaps have had um, a, a deeper, a richer knowledge of scripture uh, before I, I, I went into the ministry, uh, those kinds of things. Um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure quite how to ha answer that because sometimes, sometimes the Lord hides the future <laughs> for, for our, our, he, for our comfort. He, 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 he brings, gives us grace at the time. Let's put it like that. Well, maybe this is a rephrasing of the question. You, you currently pastor pastors. What encouragement do you give to refresh discouraged pastors in ministry? I try to take them through um, what I call, I think, I think discouraged pastors are very often men who feel that they are nobodies. You know, uh, when, I mean, it's, it's probably more in this country than in America, but, um, you know, obviously years ago, um, the local minister had a certain kind of, um, he, he was respected in the community. These days, there is nothing of that whatsoever. In fact, we're kind of disrespected. And that's very often the kind of source of discouragement. So to take them through what I call a theology of the forgotten, <laughs> which is from Isaiah 40, Lord, you've forgotten me. No, I haven't. To take them through that, to take them through what I would call a piety of the unnoticed. You know, the Lord Jesus encourages us to a piety that says you go into your room and you shut the door and no one knows what you're doing, but your Father in heaven does. Those, those kinds of things that I would often use to, and, and obviously speak to them about, the fact that um, New Testament ministry is in the footsteps of Christ. It is suffering ministry, but it is highly rewarded, highly rewarded. But we, we follow in the, we take up our cross and we follow in the footsteps of Christ. So in their, in their low times, in, in, in the times that are difficult, those are the kinds of things I bring, as, as well as, of course, those great teachings of Scripture about the providence of God, uh, you know, those, those situations of Joseph and Job, which seemed so terrible at the time, but then the Lord had a plan which, was, which led to, 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 to great blessing. So, so those, those are the kinds of things that I try to, to share with men. Speaking of what you share with men, what we are desiring for the Lord to give us in ministry is that of resiliency in the midst of uh, trials and the day-to-day -day grind. And you've written a book along those lines is that correct? Give us a little overhead of what that's about. It's called Resilient, How To Timothy Teaches Us To Bounce Back in Christian Leadership. It's published by Christian Focus. Um, and basically, it looks at 2 Timothy along the lines of Timothy being on the edge of saying, I'm going to walk away from this. There is something of that there. If you read Timothy carefully, you know, he's called to guard the gospel, but he's in a very fragile state. And you know, Paul comes in with especially those three pictures of uh, the soldier and the athlete and the hard-working farmer in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And all those pictures are pictures of endurance. Um, and, and those are the things 
in particular that the, the book focuses on, but they are the pictures that we need to take hold of ourselves as pastors. I'm a soldier. I'm an athlete. I'm a soldier who has a duty to do. I'm an athlete who needs determination. I'm a hardworking farmer who needs to wait with diligence for the, for the crop to, to, to come. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the kind of thing that, that, that I say in the book. And those three pictures, soldiers, athletes, farmers, actually, once you grasp that, you, you begin to see that Paul uses them all the time in the New Testament, in all kinds, not just in 2 Timothy, but in 1 Corinthians, in all kinds, of, in Acts, in all kinds of places, we, feel, we see Paul referring back and I think sometimes resilience is given to us when we have a, when we've taken that mindset on of of what we really are: soldiers, athletes, hardworking farmers. Thank you very much, Doctor Benton, for your hard work here on the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. We'll close today's episode with the lightning round: three questions, one sentence, uh, allocated to each one. If you wouldn't mind to answer them in a single sentence. Question number one: Who is the person? who has had the most impact on your preaching? Oh, he was my old pastor, a guy called Stuart Olliot, O-L-Y-O-T-T. He's a British man. I don't suppose you've ever come across him, but he is the man. Question number two, if you could have a superpower that you, you got to pick, what would it be? No one's ever asked me that question before. And no one ever will. <laughs> <laughs> I think perhaps it would be the ability to click my fingers and make people to listen to the gospel. Okay. Uh, and question number three, as someone who lives in London, what kind of tea do you drink? Oh, English breakfast tea. Thank you very much, Dr. Benton, for joining us today on the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. Good to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. You can find us online at goversebyverse.com.